I'm not uh, doing it, try to save these lives. That's what I hope to do, but it's not like my main goal. Uh, my, well, it's a, it's a big goal, mm -hmm. but um, at the same time, I wanted to make sense out of my silly life. You know, it's it's kind of connected to purpose, but um, it's good to know why you exist. Mm. And uh, all these dots, if you're not careful, just just remain unsolved mystery. You know, and uh, I wanted to find out, and uh, it's very joyous that. I start feeling the uh, these things are all connected. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are. This is, this is another Friday Fireside brought to you by the Happy Startup School. Uh, conversations with people who have inspired us to think about the world of work and, of course, our lives differently. Uh, and today we're joined by the amazing, the inspirational, the creative, uh, Eiji Han Shimitsu. Did I get that right? Am I That's close? Right. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, a veteran of our summer camp who gave a, an amazing talk that resonated with so many people around happiness and, and where we can find that. And I would like to pass on to him uh, briefly in a bit to, to tell more about him and his story and his journey. But I thought, firstly, let's have a, a little bit of a check-in for for people listening to, and also for everyone here to maybe check in as well on the chat because we are doing this live via Crowdcast. Um, on a scale of one to three smiley faces or emojis, let us know how happy you are today. Three being supermax and one being the opposite, whatever that means to you. But while that's happening in the chat, Lawrence, how happy are you today? <laughs> I need to start with me. Um, I'm not going to say a three because that's a high bar, right? So I'm going to go two and a half just to kind of break your break the mold of uh, what kind of right? So we've got to be edging towards towards a three. We are. We're hoping for hoping for it. 
How, many, how about you, Amy? I'm going to ask you then. Oh, me. I'm, All right, easy. Uh, go yeah, for AG. I'm, I'm, I'm three because of you guys. No. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen you for five years, so it's the old friends. We're gonna have you back. We're gonna have you back. <laughs> um, I, I, and the same way, I think I'm gonna be a three as well. I think I'm, I'm feeling the energy here, and I think we got lots of twos. We got a one. Um, no, no, that's not one. That's you. You just have sh um, waving, isn't it, Ag? <laughs> we have some threes and and a one point eight. You and Tia Lawrence, you can't yeah. tell people what to do. They, 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 these these entrepreneurial types wanting to break the mold. Exactly. Oh, what can you do? What can you do? Um, so uh, introducing Ag. Um, well, actually, I'm going to get Ag to introduce himself. I think some of you already know who he is and what he does, but um, rather than me. Uh, I, it's been nicer to hear it from your own words because I find it's a it's a useful exercise as well for for people to tell their own story. So, Aj, how would you describe yourself right now? Um, I'm a simple and happy man, um, and then, uh, I'm proud of being a simple and happy man. I am a media producer uh, by profession. But uh, uh, I've been always focusing on my work around happiness and human rights. And uh, I have, when, when I uh, talked at uh, your camp event five years ago, I talked about my um, documentary film about happiness. I spent six years traveling around the world and then uh, talking to neuroscientists, uh, spiritual leaders, psychologists, uh, political leaders about what makes people happy. And my talk was about that. And then uh, uh, I think, you know, basically, if you spend six years on one subject, you are as good as a PhD on that subject. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, um, so I learned a lot about happiness and then, uh, learned that the, there's, uh, the happiness is trainable. It's not just like you are lucky, born happy in a rich family and, and all that. But actually, happiness is just like learning tennis. You know, if you practice, you get good at it, better at it, and then uh, you can actually master it. So my uh, set point wasn't that high. Uh, and that was a part of the reason why I quit my corporate job and then uh, went on a journey to seek happiness and film it. Uh, but through my experiences uh, in this filmmaking, I learned a lot of techniques, and then, uh, I, uh, I I have been practicing them, and then uh, made me significantly happy. So I'm a simple happy man. And it's quite interesting. There, you know, you talked about happiness. As I hear it, is something that we we have control over is it's some it's a it's a practice it sounds like um and it in the poll i think the majority of people say they can control their own happiness i am very curious as to the uh, the answer of neither of these statements agree with someone uh, i'd like to know what they uh, think in terms of um happiness and how it happens to them one of the classic challenges around talking about this stuff is what happiness actually means 
kind of definition for happiness. And and one of the books that Lawrence um, has introduced recently to the community called The Second Mountain, he talks about happiness and joy and has very clear, you know, very specific definition of the differences between that. Is there something you could say about your own definition of happiness that might help people reframe mm -hmm. how they talk about it? Right. Um, I think there are different kinds of happinesses. I mean, uh, but what's interesting is that in general, uh, in the, you know, the society like the UK, Europe, and Japan, we tend to focus more on so-called like a dopamine-driven happiness, which is usually made of this sensation of like a yay, like a yeah, like a e-heart. You know, I want something, I got something. This is so tasty. You know, that spark of emotions. Uh, these are very precious feeling, and and everybody needs that. You know, to seek that, you know, eha feeling, right? But if you look into the well-being, there are lots of different positive emotions other than dopamine-driven feeling. Uh, for instance, uh, in Japan, you know, now the night, beautiful uh, fall season and the winter is coming, and we have this tradition of onsen which is like hot spring and, and uh, you know, you just go in naked in an open door and, and uh, you know, I mean, you just, you know, soak yourself in a hot water and then just looking at the sky and then you feel this feeling, you know, and then also maybe like some, some people who practice yoga, you know, after doing the practice, you just do the uh, Shavasana, you know, this like a, that body pose and you feel this like total relaxation that's in that's a happy feeling but it's not induced by dopamine it's usually induced by serotonin you know you may have heard of it so it's a different quality you know and then you can argue that the uh, endorphin you know is another source of happiness like when you are like a runner and you get into like a runner's high you feel that you can go on and on and on without feeling pain and fatigue. That's a type of happiness, uh, but it's not driven by serotonin or dopamine. And uh, what I um, what I'm focusing more on that while I'm seeking these other type of happiness because it's like almost like a cocktail. You wanted to try all different flavors, but the uh, particular flavor that I'm uh, so uh you know almost fixed is um is like okistocin type of feeling um so the uh, okistocin feeling is that they maybe maybe the, the audience can you know say some of you are mothers anybody out there who are mothers well we'll hear yeah uh, well, actually, it's a podcast, so people cannot see it then. <laughs> but anyways, like usually the biggest uh, release of uh, oxytocin happens when mother holds a baby and uh, feeding milk. You know, that feeling of like a connection between human, you know, and it happens between, you know, between anybody. You know, if you exchange the uh, feeling of kindness, altruism services and people appreciate it 
you know, and often that exchange accompanied with, if it's a really good occasion, you have like goosebump feeling, you know, your eyes get teary, you know, and realize that they well, it's so good to be human, you know, to be connected. And that positive feeling is clearly different from Iha or oh, relaxed feeling. I mean, it's a different type of happiness. So long answer, uh, it's a long, sorry that it's a long answer, but um, if you just say happiness, it's so hard to define it in one word because it is a mixture of different positive feelings. That's amazing. I, I, even the way you've just broken that down just to give people, or at least for myself, a perspective of all the different types of pleasant feelings associated to this word happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, and the ox you got a lot of reaction here around oxytocin, particularly, uh, you know, assume this is generated by remembering this feeling of what it's like to have a child and that kind of skin to skin moment and the, the, the feeling of connection during breastfeeding. That's something that, that you, you alluded to is like, it's that in that sense of connection. So there's that mm -hmm. other, level of or another avenue to happiness right um, but they are, if i may say yeah. um our society your society japan the uk europe uh, mostly you know highly developed you know industrialized nations focus too much on dopamine kind of happiness mm -hmm. uh and uh we human needs a good balance of these kind of positive emotions so if you just seek dopamine driven happiness you need to you need more to sustain your tie because it eventually goes down and you need the stronger stimulus and the more of it then uh, you exhaust yourself so i think the key is to balance all these uh positive emotions hmm. like you said making the perfect cocktail <laughs> yeah <laughs> Friday night here. <laughs> like you're having a wine and coffee cocktail tonight. <laughs> um, and so I kind of maybe Lawrence relating it to the second mountain book that you've been reading. How does that now reframe those different ways of approaching happiness and what you've learned from that book? It feels like the first two you talked about feel more individual. To me, you know, it's more about me getting my kicks from, yeah, me running, me getting pleasure from an experience or in a situation. Whereas the latter part, which is linked to the second mountain, is this much deeper sense of fulfillment, maybe, and joy rather than immediate pleasure. And so I hear there maybe the oxytocin is linked to it can't happen without someone else. It can't happen without you building a bridge to someone else and maybe improving their life in some way um, and again linked to your findings from the movie I understood it as those that really feel the happiest in terms of uh, this richer view of happiness more fulfilled more content are those that almost have the most uh, social contact and, and community around them is that right right um you know so the uh, the documentary documentary film uh, happy uh we were commissioned to make a documentary film on happiness but after years of research what we ended up making is a documentary of uh, compassion 
which is closely linked to oxytocin. So uh, yeah, if you, you know, it's easy to make a documentary film about um, pleasure, dopamine driven documentary. You just film a porn. That's, that's <laughs> documentary on uh, dopamine happiness, all right. But uh, there's a deeper level uh, of happiness. So in, interestingly, uh, oxytocin became, or compassion became the central piece of uh, our film. Hmm. Actually, one thing I can add to that is makes me think of this. Um, someone talked about this second mountain book is the self-help book to get you out of this mess of trying to fix yourself or trying to make yourself happy. Um, I think that's it. Feels like that individual thing of yeah, I want to get that hit, that porn hit, that happiness porn almost. Um, <laughs> but actually, yeah, how do we move to more more collective experience, more compassionate experience? All right. One thing that I've uh, sort of looking at the book briefly around this idea of I think I think it's linked to compassion and, and this idea of happiness and pleasant feelings. That sometimes what you do to serve others doesn't feel pleasant to you, but ultimately because you are being of service, it creates a deeper sense of meaning or purpose or joy. And it reminds me of the story you told at summer camp. <laughs> when you were looking after that gentleman. And mm, if you want to right. remind people about that story, just to maybe underline this sense of, it isn't just about the pleasant dopamine hit, there's something deeper here. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, you know, probably some of you are eating, so I'm gonna skip that, you know, details. But uh, if you, um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, I was also skeptical, you know, I mean, I'm not here to preach, you know, I'm not a preacher, you know, I'm not promoting, you know, the, the moral society. I mean, ideally I wanted to be in it, but uh, I'm here to just simply talking about happiness. But if you really uh, engage, then uh, interestingly, um, you know, you gain, like you, you get something back. So if you seek, uh, if you do like altruistic uh, act, then you actually, you know, it's a selfish uh, pursuit of uh, altruistic, altruistic action will bring you um, more happiness. And it feels like there's a, there's a balance here, or uh, there's a perspective here around you could help people just because you want to feel good about yourself, which again, feels like it's defeating right. the object. Actually, so some people after, you know, uh, having completed the, uh, the happy film, uh, some people do did say that to us, you know, I mean, you're promoting happiness and, and uh, you know, because you feel good about yourself. But actually, I want to get back to them and saying, bingo. That's the whole point, actually. You know, that's the whole essence of it. You know, you don't have to be cynical about it. I mean, because you feel happy, you feel good about yourself, you do happiness, and that's it. I don't know. I mean, I think there's nothing more. You know, you're helping other people, other people are happy, they're getting happy, and then you, you know, you're, you have a more like self respect and then the satisfaction, and then what's more? 
It sounds like that that is the potential for becoming a more of a virtuous circle. You you serve, they become you help someone, you feel happy because of that. That in my head then rewires the way you look at the world a bit more to okay, maybe this idea of service also serves me, not just other people. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things the interesting idea or the idea that I um this bringing to mind is this balance between awareness of why we do things. And I think Lawrence was alluding to it. It's like we can spend a lot of time doing self-work in, in terms mm-hmm. of understanding ourselves and not and forgetting other people. But then there's also when you do stuff for other people, not neglecting why you're doing it or understanding why you're doing it and what you get from it. So uh, I think someone was talking about, you know, the motivation behind our intentions. If it's like a selfful, self, selfful. I was going to say selfish helping. Mm. As long as I, as long as I feel good after I've done this, then I'll do some more of it. That's where I think maybe some people might have an issue. It's like, oh, I'm just getting happy by helping people, rather, mm. rather than the. I might do this, and I might not be happy about it. But at some point, I might do so. There's a kind of a um, variable reward from that habit of always doing something for other people, but still doing mm-hmm. it nonetheless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. If that um, yeah. Um. I here. I wanted to say something uh, from different perspective, but I have to repeat myself. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. what's wrong with uh, feeling good about yourself after, you know helping other people you know and uh we would we are designed to feel like that um you know a little bit about the orchestocin again i feel like i'm an orchestocin salesperson but uh um if uh say like lawrence and i are uh, let's say lawrence is like a suffering and then i somehow help you right and then uh this orchestocin boost happen inside Lawrence head, you know, maybe he's feeling like a goosebump and then they get teary and because he feels a connection. Interestingly, I feel the same uh, buzz, you know, because orchestrating happens between the uh, other people who receive it and who people who give. And more interestingly, um, the people who witness our exchange feel the buzz. That's why even if they don't know us, they see a human interaction and they feel good about it, then they are motivated to help other people. And the total different strangers saw this exchange and thought that, wow, I don't know these guys, but I have a goosebump. You know, I wanted to help other people. So we are wired to, like our brain has this, um, the gland that released the, um, the dopamine, why? Because uh, because to 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 help our uh, species sustainable. That's the uh, you know the uh, Darwin said that the uh, you know the uh, what did he say? Like you know the 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 species that adapts to the environment you know live longer, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, that's yeah, that's a big discovery. But when it comes to human. I think the existence of oxytocin and uh, 
uh, brain system uh, is a key for our survival because we are programmed to help each other. And then in return, you feel good about it. Hmm. Hmm. So there's Jesus. a really recently humankind they talk about the survival of the friendliest so rather than <laughs> and that's actually how we've evolved as a species is through that yeah uh, it sounds right yeah right. i'm wondering then where did it go wrong because it doesn't feel like this evolution has gone on along this positive path particularly given where we are at the moment what if our brains are wired to survive as friendly people, or by being more friendly, we're more likely to survive, it feels like at the present moment, less people are doing that. And I don't know if you had any thoughts around that. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, people can argue if the humanity is going better or worse and in the, at the glance like we are bombarded with sad news betray news of betrayal war you know the conflicts so we tend to consume uh, more of the negative news but um i think in general like uh humanity is doing much better than you know the century ago and uh, you know uh so I'm I'm hopeful, and then uh, we we have uh, advanced technologies uh, that allows us to connect. You know, for instance, like a you know, twenty years ago, I had to make a phone call to reach out to you guys, and then uh, you know now you can see you know face to face. So um, I think that there are a lot more positive uh, the shift. Um, because we uh, we have uh, so much technologies uh, assisting us, and then uh, it's a tool. You know, you can you can use it for worse, but mostly people use it for better. I think. Mm. So what I hear there is the belief that in general the world is potentially happier, and we are generally friendly, connected people. But because of what we consume in terms of information and what we see, we got. A different we we feel like it's the opposite is that what you're saying um i you know i i probably the, in the uk it's also the you know top the bestseller listed book um was like hans rawlings the uh this swedish uh stati statistician uh wrote a book uh uh and uh, he compiled all the data to show that the uh, Humanity is in general getting going in a, the right directions. If you check the, uh, you know, the, the let's say like you know, bunch of human rights violations, you know, um, the the, po the po you know the climate change is a different topic. But uh, if you check, um, you know, many areas. Uh, and uh, he claimed that the humanity is getting better. So I don't know. I'm not the expert of it, but uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I want to believe that the uh, you know, despite you know some people messing around humanity, like some of the political leaders, 
but I think we are getting better. I don't know. Cool. I think we've already had the book there. Yeah, thankfulness. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a phrase that came up yesterday when I was on a, on a call uh, around the idea of what we, what we put our attention on grows. And so what I'm, the way I'm translating that here is that if you look at the good and you look at what's, what's positive in the world, that will grow in your world and mm -hmm. hopefully grow in the world. Uh, and even I relate that to when you were saying before, it's like even if you do stuff, good things, you know, if, you do, if you are of service to others and you continually do that, even if it's maybe selfish because it makes you happy, that will also grow because mm -hmm. it will – people will see that activity or see that uh the way people are behaving where you're behaving and, and replicate it and so there's this thing about it feels like very much about what we uh what we perceive is then what comes about and so if we can control or if we can be more positive with the way we look at the world and practice this happiness idea more then that's the world that we will create and that's that's how that comes across for me um there's a let's there's a so. sorry let's hope so yeah yeah fingers crossed fingers uh, crossed we we overcome overcame one uh speed bump last week so let's see if we can um, overcome a few more with covid and brexit um now we talked about the idea of happiness uh, i think one of these other when we when this theme of the second mountain this theme of where so i think this idea of I'm going to say true happiness, but even that's a bit uh, contentious. Mm -hmm. This deeper feeling of well-being, whatever that may be. I think part of it feels to do about meaning, uh, purpose, um, and service. Uh, and so, and sometimes that comes from looking at things that are painful and that are challenging. And so I was wondering how you would talk to that in terms of the things that you've been doing and the journey that you've been on. Uh, and this uh, feels related to this current project mm -hmm. you're on. So yeah. maybe leading into that, in, in, or if that re resonates in any way. Sure, sure. So um, after the completed the, the happy film, uh, I felt that I learned a lot and I wanted to learn more about, more about happiness. So, you know, uh, some scientists said that the meditation is good for happiness. So I you know, went to a bunch of, uh, you know, monasteries and then, uh, you know, in the end I became a meditation teacher. Okay. Some people said that, uh, you know, moving to a tropical Island is very happy things to do. So I moved to Bali and spent seven years, you know, um, prioritizing friendship over money is good. So I, you know, just, uh, attended as many like a community events and, and all that. I changed the drastical shift uh, in life. And, and uh, I did get happy and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was good. I was satisfied, but I get the greedy, you know, I wanted to see if there are more happiness. And, and uh, I asked myself what I was missing. Uh, and according to positive psychologists, I've done, pretty much everything except uh, two things. One is the uh, service to others. 
you know, I've done a little bit of volunteer works and, and all that, but I haven't done like really, really uh, altruistic uh, works. I didn't, I haven't dedicated myself. So I thought that I need to do it. Then uh, I launched this uh, um, uh, feature length animated film project. I made a, a you know, 3D animation uh, on uh, North Korea's uh, political prison system, you know, and uh, wrote a script and then directed about the family um, who survives in a North Korean political prison camp because uh, today there are 120,000 people are going through Holocaust, literally. So I thought uh, I could, uh, I could, I could serve and I did it. And uh, thankfully, the film's been received well in Japan and also at the rain dance and, you know, uh, in some countries. So my, um, my happiness got increased because I took, in a way, the, my bucket list is like checked, you know, have I served? Yeah, okay, I did, you know. Then uh, I get even more greedy and then I was uh, wanted to fulfill the uh, last I don't know if it's last, but the one remaining big uh, uh, happiness booster, which is to find meaning. Um, and uh, <clears throat> this is very interesting, but uh, um, you know, the Carlos and Lawrence and the, the listeners, uh, you know, behind the, uh, I mean, you know, the in front of your uh, computers, we all have different set of elements. For instance, uh, I'm 50 years old. I'm uh, Asian discount, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, I was born in Japan. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I, I have a media uh, related work. I have a certain personality. I had a, a, a lot of failures and then some successes. I have this friends uh, living in all these countries and you know so my set are different from other people you know everybody has a different set of elements so to speak and uh interestingly also i'm uh, i'm ethnic korean i was uh, born and raised in japan but my parents are korean you know so that's a part of my elements and until i started the uh, this uh, 3d animation uh, on north korean political prison camp these elements are like what the uh, steve jobs said you know dots scattered around and didn't make much sense you know i i did i cannot attach explanation to it but after engaging myself uh, in this project one day I realized that, oh my God, all these elements are nicely connected and then pointing me to do this project. And it's almost like, um, you know, I'm not uh, subscribed to any religion, but I felt that I, I communicated with somebody above, you know, and almost like told him that, the, or her, that I got it, you know, I mean, it's just like my calling and uh, uh, because there's nothing else, you know, undoubtedly this was my project. And then I was, I felt that I was almost created for that. 
And that is like euphoric feeling because I didn't have any doubt. Even if somebody, I, I bet nobody would, but somebody came up to me and said that, hey, you can be a CEO of this unicorn startup. You know, I'll give you like a $50 million a, a year. You know, I could uh, proudly and uh, really decisively say, no, you know, that's not my gig. My gig is this. So that feeling came with self-confidence and convictions and then also uh, the communication to something bigger than yourself. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was a good, happy feeling. So there's two Mm -hmm. elements to that story that I'd like to just share with the listeners. I think one of them is this real connection to the people that you're trying to tell a story about. And what I'm referring to is this, uh, the story of your mother's decision to stay in Japan as opposed to what I understood was uh, go with this man that she fell in love with. Maybe elaborate a bit more in terms of that story to to help people see that connection. Okay. So, um, yeah, just to illustrate the... Uh you know, my connecting dots. Um, so uh, in Japan, there, are, there, have been, there have been always a lot of Koreans. And historically, Koreans are kind of considered uh, second-class citizens. Uh, not today because of K-pop and, and uh, you know, Korean dramas. But uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I often heard some comments that are not very pleasing. My mom's generation was even worse. My grandparents' generation, there was even like a lynching going on. So it was like a hard, hard uh, um, environment for ethnic Koreans in Japan. And uh, in the uh, 1960s, 70s, and part of 80s, um, the the North Korea uh, was even richer than South Korea today and at the height of uh, Cold War, and uh, uh, all the Eastern Bloc kind of like showcased North Korean as a heaven on earth, you know, towards, towards the Japanese and other Asian, you know, countries that, hey, you know, we are creating this ideal communist, uh, you know, the nation, you know, and if you come here, you get a free education, free healthcare, and, you know, all the nice package. And then the, the Koreans in Japan thought that it was like a, literally like heaven on earth because, you know, they didn't even have a healthcare and, you know, the, uh, all the, the services from the, uh, the, the country. So uh, 93, over 93,000 ethnic Koreans uh, moved to North Korea. And, but as soon as they arrived, their positions are ripped off and then uh, uh, many of them were suspected as spies and sent to notorious North Korean political prisons, uh, which, you know, takes like a few hours to explain how bad the place is, but basically like a living hell. And uh, these 93,000 ethnic Koreans uh, 
was including uh, my mom's uh, first love. But uh, back when she was growing up, you know, you can't, you don't even, you don't date, like you don't hold her. It's like, you know, with your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, she didn't even have, probably have a date or anything. Just, just like a, this pure platonic, you know, the feeling between the, the teenagers. Uh, but this boy was very bright, but uh, because he didn't have money, he couldn't continue his uh, pursue uh, his per higher education. So he joined the the North Korean, um, you know, the the the, the migration, and uh, nobody heard from him. And uh, also, many of her my mom's friends and neighbors just disappeared. And uh, if uh, my mom had made uh, one decision, you know, completely different, then I would end up, I would have ended up uh, growing up in the very harsh condition or in a North Korean political prison camp. So actually, so that was a part of the reason why I felt that uh, making a film on this and in the, you know, galvanized world is a part of my calling because in a strange way, I'm uh, trying to rescue uh, myself living in a parallel world. And that's a powerful message in terms of that, the core of that story, yeah. which I love so much. Yeah, but I, I, feel, I feel lucky, you know, mm. uh, it just uh, to, to, to have this project. Um, because thanks to this, I felt that my life is, you know, I'm, I, I feel that I'm not wasting my life. Mm. Mm. At a sort of a kind of a, a practical level, in a sense, or a, a storytelling level, because this is a beautiful story in terms of connection. One of the challenges that I understand around the film you're making is such a hard topic and such a really, it could really confront people. And there's something around the media, the manga, the animated aspect of it that you thought was needed to tell this story. Maybe share a bit more, particularly for people who are trying to tell tough stories, what it meant to you or your thinking process mm -hmm. around how to communicate what's going on. Right. So um, uh, there are lots of brilliant uh, journalists around the world and in revealing the the stories that the world needs to know. So there are, you know, many articles written about political prison camp in North Korea. And, uh, you know, we all try to change the situation. But when you read this newspaper article or research paper, you know, your mind, the, your brain process the information and uh, you the intelligently understand what's going on but what i noticed was that the uh, our heart won't uh, process it um i think we need to have something um like human warmth human faces to the stories that are hidden behind the uh news headline and uh interesting um uh the anecdote i think it was when i was uh, traveling for um happy startup uh, uh the camp um it was five years ago i think it was the uh on, on that trip 
was it in the middle of the um uh the uh, immigration crisis the refugee crisis my history and memory is not good enough right maybe what... maybe it was around that time or it was on a different trip but i was in london you know and i was at at the pub alone uh drinking guinness okay because i have nothing better to do so i went to a pub and then uh you know watching a football on tv and then drinking uh guinness on my own then there are lots of drunken uh you know the the people drunken guys you know just chatting after work and then uh, the soccer game is done and uh a news came up news show came up and then uh, they are showing the bunch of uh, um uh northern african or middle easterns uh you know are migrating mm. you know on a boat and then arriving in europe some of them came to the uk and then uh, these drunken guys reaction were rather not very pleasant you know uh because like those refugees are suffering so much but um you know these guys are kind of seeing it you know and then I, I guess somebody was commenting that you know they are taking our jobs and you know i didn't say anything to them but i thought like come on man i mean you know be be nice to them then i uh i went on to germany you know i had like two weeks like a business to take care of and then i went to germany and then uh, travel around and you know to catch the flight back from london to japan i stayed one day in london and in the evening i didn't have anything better to do so i went to the same pub you know drinking guinness and then uh, um there are not the exact same guys but similar looking you know british gentlemen who are having beer you know and then uh, looking at the tv and there was a news show different news show but the, you know there was a news show and then uh, uh in the news show they saw this one image of uh, probably you remember this uh this uh, a boy drowned is down on the shore uh remember the uh the, this kid fell from the the uh, yeah. the boat and then drowned and then uh um do you know what i'm talking about yeah this is one image right and then uh i saw this this guy crying looking at me you know and then uh next day uh i saw something similar you know on the newspaper the tabloids uh what is it like the sun or you know the uk has a bunch of these like tabloids ads which talk about the gossip all the time front page this image of a little boy drowned you know and then uh, the headline says that the europe couldn't save him you know and then the shortly after i saw the change you know the germany was welcoming the refugees with this the song and dance i i'm not saying that it's triggered by that picture but it's changed the whole narrative just one image the one human face uh changed the whole narrative because it appealed to our heart not just here so i thought that the uh you know something similar could have been done for north korea and then, even though i had already started my north korean project 
when I when I saw this uh, this this picture, I was more convinced that what I was doing is right because North Korea needs to have a different narrative, and that people needs to visualize the image of North Korean people, not Kim Jong Un, with uh, his hairstyle, but we need to have some face of a North Korean citizen who are suffering. So I conveniently uh, grew up in a society, Japan, that embraces uh, anime, uh, manga. We are good at putting the human face to, to this. So I thought it was, it was a good idea to pursue. Mm. And um, I can imagine trying to watch a film that was a more of a, a real life depiction of it with in a sense well, the way i understand you talking about it in in, in previous interviews is like it can hurt or you want to protect your heart because the images are so difficult well with something that's through this medium of anime it it allows to soften it a bit because you're not confronted with such well i haven't seen the movie but i'm assuming mm -hmm the reality of it doesn't hit you so hard in the face that you just run away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you, the, the, um, the, the, the rain dance is already uh, finished, so, uh, but you can still, you know, Google the trailer of the True North, and you will notice that the uh, our film doesn't have this like, refined uh, texture or surface, like, what the uh, um, Disney or Pixar's uh, make, we intentionally lower the polygon. What I mean by that is like, it's not like smooth surface. It's almost like a origami look, you know, really edgy look. And uh, we have tested many textures, uh, including very like a uh, smooth surfaces that the, uh, you know, the Disney always create, but, uh the subject matter that we are dealing is beyond our worst imagination like it's so horrendous so uh bleak that if you if you depict everything in a really like nice details then the 93 minutes film is going was going to become a, a horror film because torture, forced labors, public execution, rape, and all that. So we need a little bit of buffer. So that's why I intentionally uh, created this uh, low polygon look. And then, interestingly, if you see one brutal image uh, in like a normal texture and this like a low polygon textures, you know, you, you get it, you know, but, it's not so repulsive. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, that what's the what I'm taking away from learning about that is there's there's telling. I think um, Floris was kind of alluding to it, and Kim was talking about you know you can just give facts in an effort to change people's behavior, but if you find a way to tell that story to present it in a way that was thinking about how do you present it so people will think about the idea or will try and change what is going to happen rather than shut down or just overwhelmed with information. It sounds like there's a real consideration from your part, like, okay, I need to be able to make sure I reach people rather than just tell facts. Is that right. Um Yes, I, 
of course, I have to touch upon these sad uh, events, such as the torture, public execution, child labor, but we, I didn't want it to end there. Uh, I need to reveal how human these prisoners are. So I focus more on uh, humanity, like, um, you know, there are laughter involved, there are romance involved, there are like a cooperation, friendship, all that thing that we appreciate in a normal world do exist in the worst imaginable uh, situation. So the story is uh, is rather hopeful because uh, I intentionally put these elements. And the reason why uh, is also um, kind of similar case uh, in in terms of like Holocaust. For instance, like, a, you know, we, humanity, uh, learned a lot from Holocaust. And, and we would say never, ever such a brutal um, treatment of uh, mankind. The reason why we have that is I did a little bit of analysis and in the, I don't know, in my own conclusion, um, I found that the two elements are coming together. Then people feel that, okay, never ever. One is just, um, you know, through documentaries, through uh, archival footage or some, you know, photos, we see the victims of, uh, uh, you know, the skeleton-like skinny dead bodies piled up in, a, in, in the Auschwitz or, you know, uh, the, all the, the concentration camps. And we thought that, wow, that's, that's really bad, right? But that alone, I don't think would uh, galvanize people as much as uh, we are galvanized today. I think together with this like a brutal, brutal image, we know the smile of uh, uh, Anne Frank. And uh, we read her stories in, his, uh, in her diary, in her romance, her hobby her uh you know the the compassion w once we resonate with Anne, and then i uh, realized that the Anne ended up being that pile of dead bodies that's when people are moved and then uh you know wanted to take action so i think it's very important to add humanity if you are just showing the uh, skeleton like dead bodies or something similar, we don't, sadly, we don't, we don't feel it real. Hmm. So it feels like very much about this lesson of um, connecting. And it goes back, I think, to the way we were starting this conversation about oxytocin and connection. You know, the, the thread that I'm connecting here is this these stories that connect you to someone experiencing that, seeing their human journey as well as the horribleness and the the facts around it is 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 important mm. to spreading yeah. that message. Yeah. Um now 
And we're close to the end. And I'd, if there are, are any questions from, from people listening still, it'd be really nice to hear if, if you have any comments. And there's, there's some lovely comments and thoughts around so far. Um, one thing I wanted to just touch on is doing an animated feature movie is not easy or cheap. <laughs> you know, you have companies like Pixar and um, I can't remember Stephen's DreamWorks and all of these organizations. That they pour hundreds of millions, if not even billions, I assume, into this kind of work. You did this bootstrapping. This was pure, as I understand it, this was a very... <laughs> yeah. Maybe tell a little story of how, how you managed to do that, just to share that these right. things are possible with the right intention. All right. Um, so it was a long, hard journey. Um, and uh, initially, I was uh, trying to raise money from somebody uh, with a deep pocket and, uh, you know, get the film made, you know. So my focus had been finding somebody else's money. Uh, but because of the subject matter, um, some people were interested in it, definitely, but uh, they eventually said no, because they know what happened to Sony. You know, years ago, there's a Hollywood comedy uh, called The Interview, mocking the, uh, Kim Jong-un, and then the Sony gets cyber-attacked. Nobody wanted to be in that place. So uh, actually, big studio in Hollywood were very interested in and then they loved the script, but they pulled out. And, and uh, so did many others. So I had uh, to shift uh, my thinking. Instead of like focusing on uh, how to find money, I have to focus on how to make a quality film as cheap as possible. Because as I explained, this film is bigger than myself. Uh, it's my calling and I cannot simply give it up. So I get sometimes very stubborn about it. So I just thought that, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this with my own money. And then uh, with, Somebody who have uh, who have experience in animated uh, film uh, would never ever recommend this. But I, luckily, I didn't even have uh, um, you know the, the the connection with uh, animators. You know, so I uh, naively uh, start thinking and and. Uh, you know, looking for the animators. And then I ended up uh, uh, finding a great uh, talented animators in Indonesia. And uh, uh, I would never ever going to make a film in America or Japan or in Europe because of the, uh, the budget. But uh, it is possible to make uh, something decent in Indonesia with even my own saving. So uh, uh, I went on and uh, started uh, putting my money. Then uh, uh, something interesting happened. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, something that I heard uh, or read from some, you know, the rich, uh, you know, the people. Uh, if you spend, money will come. 
if you stop spending money, it won't arrive. It's almost like um, it, um, how can I just uh, explain? Um, mm. It's you know some like a wise man said that you know uh, don't ask for money to come to you uh, and stay. You just ask money to go through you. You know, yeah. the more you spend, the more will come. And it's something like that happened. And uh, uh, I never got rich uh, from this project, but I barely made it uh, to completion with uh, with my uh, savings. And then also the uh, time income that I made during that time. Wow. Yeah. But so just to illustrate that how much uh, it cost, um, uh, I, I'm not going to say the exact amount, but uh, there's a, a big budget uh, allocated for making uh, Frozen Two. You know the Disney animation Frozen Two. Uh, if I were to have their budget, I could have made uh, 400 to 500 True Noses. True Noses is the, the title of my film. So, yeah. So it was like super, super low budget. I cut a lot of corners. Oh, wow. Well, for me, that I wanted to share that because on one hand, I think it's it's important to to just understand how much of this was a, a labor of love for you. And, and we'd, we'd love to support you given the message and also the, the amount of effort and energy you put into this. And maybe, Lawrence, if you could share the link again to the movie in the chat. Um, but also the other aspect for us as a community of entrepreneurs, particularly purpose-driven entrepreneurs, that I hear a story of there was a meaning and a purpose behind this project, and that's why you you were able to make it happen and you pushed through it. And that's what we would like to inspire more people to do, so to to tap into that as much as they can when they're trying to make these things happen, and and that connection of a story of a meaning that can drive drive you through and i wanted to maybe end on this question from kim because it's i think is relevant she's curious on your long hard journey with knockbacks and backers pulling out how did you keep happy money no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no um it just uh um yeah i mean the uh how I so in okay so let me put it this way um, so it's it's hard it still is because uh, uh, film has found its distributor in Japan but we have a lot of places to 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 distribute and then uh, you know uh, gives me headache in that sense and also subject matter is so sensitive that I have to fear sometimes, you know, you know what happened to, you know, the Kim Jong-nam, the Kim Jong-un's brother, and then he got assassinated, you know, and I heard some, you know, scary stories. So it's a, it gives a lot of concerns mm. uh, and then the headaches, but uh, um it's just like a, you know, you, okay, so I'm a filmmaker and uh, let's say there's a 
conversation, the scene of a conversation between two men. You know, whether you put the positive music uh, as a BGM, the background music, or kind of scary, you know, the 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 music, then the whole scene has different meaning. And uh, I kind of do that to myself. For instance, you know, somebody says that the, okay, you know, you gotta watch out. You know, there's the North Korean spies around you, and then the, you know, you gotta protect yourself, and then the. Part of me said, holy shit, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go outside. I get sick scared all day. Part of me plays the uh, um, the, the soundtrack of uh, Indiana Jones. Like, then I get like so like hyped. Like, you know, I just like walk with the uh, chin up high and, uh, you know, almost like a, you know, the skipping and the hopping. So uh, I think you can, in a way, trick your mind by having the right intention. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer. Wow. Oh, I'm going to keep that theme tune in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but try that. Like when you do something like scary, you know, don't just indulge. That's just just play Indiana Jones or Rocky Balboa, then you get something coming from uh, from somewhere so to push you. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Eye of the Tiger, not the Jaws That's thing. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Rajesh. Any, any final thoughts, Lawrence? I think he's answered. My, my question was going to be, it felt like you had this calling, uh, your aha moment. Um, I felt like there's a responsibility here. Like, I have to do this. My question was going to be around, did you have any fear of it actually succeeding in terms of that risk to yourself? But you kind of answered it, <laughs> I think. Um, but it felt like you had to, there was no like doubt in terms of the risk and the, um, mm. I guess the... Yeah. Risk um, yeah, so there's a risk, but uh, um, I'm not like a... I'm not uh, doing it, try to save these lives. That's what I hope to do, but it's not like my main goal. Um, my, well, it's a, it's a big goal, mm-hmm. but um, at the same time, I wanted to make sense out of my silly life. You know, it's, it's kind of connected to purpose, but um, it's good to know why you exist. Mm. And uh, all these dots, if you're not careful, just just remain unsolved mystery, you know? And uh, I wanted to find out. And uh, it's very joyous that I start feeling the... Uh, these things are all connected. I think we just got the intro for the podcast. Then. <laughs> yeah, it resonates a lot. I uh, really, really appreciate your story here, AG, and, and, and in awe of the work that you've done. Um, yeah. I, and the thing that I'm coming away from this is like 
you're telling this amazingly powerful story and you say, you know, there, there is a goal and an outcome that you can create in terms of hopefully, you know, an intention to change a situation. But the, the thing that hit me as well is the story that you're creating for yourself, this idea of meaning and purpose and what all of this, all these dots, how are they connected? I think that's something that, that I'm, I think is really quite powerful because then it's, like you said, it just made made you go through all the challenges without without any objection. Yeah. And the, the thing is, I'm just simply making it up, you know. But if I feel good about it, then that serves the purpose. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, everyone, Thank you. For, for joining us and staying with us for the, for the whole call. It's um, and for your comments and your questions. Apologies if we didn't if we missed any questions that you posted, but um, check out Ag's uh, film. Please support him if you can. Um, and well, we hope to hear more from you. Uh, hopefully, not in another five years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, we could, okay. Uh, drinking. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, exactly. And oh, fingers crossed within the next, we'll be able to travel and you will be able to see each other face to face at some point. Exactly. Right. Yes. Likewise. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Right. Take care. Bye -bye. Have a good day, everyone. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?